0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 701, brought to you by Harry's. Redeem your Harry's trial set at com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Pick of the Week episode 701. It's a new era. <laughs> I feel like it's been a month since the last episode. I mean, you know, it's been two weeks. We double ship. We quadruple ship. <laughs> so... I just feel like we did that forever ago. We had a good time at episode 700. Hope you watched it. Hope you enjoyed it. If you were there live, if not, you can always watch the video. It's on our website. I am I'm. a fan. I'm, I was going to say I'm iFanboy. That's that's where we are now after 700 episodes. I'm Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan.
1: Well, hello, iFanboy.
0: We host the show. We're the hosts. That's us. And we read our comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks our favorite book called the Pick of the Week. Sometimes we agonize over it because we're going to get shit for picking it. But we picked mm-hmm. it anyway because we have integrity. Deep, deep integrity. And so we uh, talk about that book, other books from the week, maybe some listener mail if we've got time. It'll be fun. It'll be a good old time. And here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Exercise some caution. This week, Don't Josh had the like pick. Don't talk like
1: that. <laughs> All right. So, like, okay. Take us through your, your, your agonizing decision here. Wait, okay, so it's not – okay, the pick of the week is Superman 15, and if I'm a listener, specifically if I'm a listener who doesn't really love this arc, I'm mad. Mm-hmm. If I'm a listener who's, like, fine with it, and you get it, and you're like, oh, yeah, they, they really like this Ben to Superman stuff, I get that too. However, I'm going to count one, two, three, four, five – Five panels in to Superman number 15, the first book that I read this week. I was like, ah, crap. (laughs) And I I genuinely, like, I I know that it is important to keep the show interesting and varied so that we're not flogging the same horse over and over again. But what always comes before that is what is your pick of the week? It's what's the best book that you read this week. Mm -hmm. And... It was Superman fifteen. And I wrote to Connor and I said, I, I and I just read it. I'd read one book and I said, I, I don't know how I'm not gonna make the big pick Superman. And you, you know, didn't say anything. And then I want to say it was last night or yesterday afternoon, mm-hmm. it was just like, how is Superman not the pick?
2: And I was like,
1: <laughs> I know. But I but like so what I'm saying is if you're out there and you're like, seriously this again, I get it. We hear you. But the thing is, I think
0: it's clear that for us, the best corner of comics right now is the corner of dc that bendis is carving out for himself it's the most fun it's the it's the one i look forward to the most it's exciting it's fun it feels fresh you
1: know what's cool about it is that we were also really digging superman even before this yeah so it was just like more on top yeah and really i mean we wandered the superman desert for
2: years
1: (laughs) years there's no family of books right now that i look forward to more
0: between all yeah. of the stuff that Bendis is doing, the Superman books, Event Leviathan is also a Superman book. So he's had mm-hmm. three. He's had three picks in a row. Yeah, which is not unprecedented in the annals of my fanboy. I should point out, longtime listeners will know that we've had these kind of runs by creators before. I believe Jason Aaron had three or four picks in a row once. Jeff John certainly has. Greg Rucka probably we, the we, first guy. When you're doing mini books and we're really dialed into what you're doing, that tends to be what happens. It goes in runs. Um, I'm, right. You can go back in the. You can definitely go back, I would say ten years ago, you'll find Jeff Johns on extended runs of picks. Because yeah. he was doing all those great books that we loved. And this is just when we're when we are dialed into somebody, we get really excited about it. So this is just It's, the it's way like it
1: goes. watching season four of the wire. Every episode, you're just like, <laughs> Oh man, you're just doing it. All right, so I said that about panel five. First panel is we see Rogelzar, I don't know, in some sort of red energy ball in distress. And this first scene uh, between Superman and Adam Strange, I'm not even taking in the fact that I'm like, hey, Adam Strange. Yeah. Um, you know, who's that? Who's uniform they could tone down a little bit? Oh, it's I'm terrible. Gonna, you know, yeah. At least they kept the fin. If you sort don't, of. if if Adam Finn doesn't have a straight, <laughs> whoa, a fin. Adam Strange doesn't have a fin. Yeah. it's not Adam Strange.
0: Yeah, Period. it's kind
1: of a fin. I mean, at least it's at least it's something. Yeah. Oh, look, he's got a collar. See, we're not all sunshine and popsicles. <laughs> okay, so. The way the dialogue is written throughout this whole scene is is a thing of beauty. Superman turns says, "I'm so glad to see you, Adam Strange." <laughs> he says Adam Strange because in comic books you have to introduce people, and also he's in his dumb uniform. So but also, you know? there's some people who you just call by their whole name. Absolutely. Either way, not the point. I flew over here as soon as, and then Superman grabs him and gives him a hug. I've never seen this. No, no. It was, it was. I mean, and I say this as in it's not, it's not out of character. It's wow that's amazing of if Superman is all about love and caring and protecting then of course he's gonna give this guy a hug and and he you know he asks him, are you okay is your family okay like he's genuinely he's a good person I have a rule in my life that if I have conversations with people and at no point do they ask me anything about myself then I don't consider them as good of people mm-hmm. and right away what you've got here is is Superman caring and asking and it's sincere it's not small talk that hug moment though I was like Wow, that really got me. I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, and it also highlights and and underlines the impact of what has happened in these stories. With you know finding out about his father and Krypton, and he's like, had he's a hard actually, he's had a hard few weeks. Yeah, you know, son went away and came back. Like it's, you know, and maybe the the hugging and you know, like when you have a kid, it you know it it changes you a little bit. And and you know, I know that his kid's supposed to be like sixteen here, maybe twelve when he. Left. but Anyway, whatever. You know, these are evolutions of character that are super minor. They don't even have to stick for whatever, but they really make sense here. And and then following that is, the you know, the conversation where he, he's like, so something's on your mind. You know, yeah, I, I got to tell you what's happening. I didn't want to tell you about this. You know, and it was just really respectful. Mm-hmm. Actually, that doesn't happen right away afterwards. There's a little flashback to the Legion coming for uh uh what's the kid's name john
0: yes but also they've, they've come back to witness the birth of the united nations in space the united yes. planets or whatever and that's what they that's who they are in the future so they've very uh recklessly come back in time to witness the, the signing of this accord and they've come back four hours too early unity day is the day I- they come back to witness
1: and I really like the way that that was handled. I, I mean, Bendis is no slouch at sort of writing complex conversations between lots of characters all at the same time. But it was really fun to read. You know, like like they're like Brainiac. What did you hang on? I know. <laughs> hang wait, on. Oh
0: wait. Uh, we're early. Like it was. Yeah. It was funny. And we we know nothing about the Legion, but it was a fun scene. I like this whole dynamic, and it's a it's a little goofy. It's a yes. little schmaltzy, you know. When when Superboy uh-huh. says it'll be called Unity Day, and there's like a splash page of everybody celebrating, yep. you know, it's very old school. Even when you go you go back to the very beginning of this and the cover, which mm-hmm. is extremely Silver Age Bronze Age, mm-hmm. extremely, and it made me so happy. It's we t- I talked about this on the show last week about how there's a there's been a small return to dialogue on the covers and a little bit of goofiness, and that's especially happening with Superman. And I think Bendis has a real strong throwback feel for Superman that is also does not feel antiquated. It feels modern, but also like, hey, you know what? These books used to be a little bit of fun.
1: And I think that 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 works for me. You know, 10 years ago, would I have thought this way? Probably not, but who knows? Right. But that page, you know, that Unity Day page, like the all of the Legion pages... They're super colorful and they're busy and they do have that silver bronze age thing that mm-hmm. was fun. Like I was like, oh, this is this is what I liked about them on that Unity page. The best page, the best part of it is in the lower left hand corner, and Crypto's just fucking thrilled. And then I was going to say, does Crypto
0: even understand what that means? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Everybody's excited, so and, he's excited. But Zod's not sure. Well, he's he's right uh, he's, behind him. Yeah, you got you
1: got that going on. But either way, like it it was like it's like a license to just be goofy. And honestly, in this world, I will take more of that any moment I I can get. I, in general, like the turn that we have experienced with Jor El. Maybe not as a permanent thing, but in the context of this story, it's good storytelling. In that it's like it's painful to watch. You know, like, oh, that's terrible. And it it changes the stakes in the game for what Superman always believed. And so he's got to work to stick to his own convictions about what he thinks. We haven't liked this bit
0: overall. We haven't liked mm-hmm. the Return to Real. That's been the one we thought misstep with Bandiss run. But what they did here was as close as you could come to – Fixing it and also making it meaningful because the scene yes. that, or, where they where they basically fix it, I found very touching. You know, I was I was I very I found it very emotional. Where yes, absolutely. Basically, he's thinking of crimes, and his punishment is he's sent back. To, it's really harsh. He's sent back to Krypton yes. the moment before it explodes, and so he sees himself and his wife briefly for a second and he says basically he does it he brings the universe together then there's a beat and then he says he does it and then the planet explodes and i i just found it very emotional that he for one moment even if young girl doesn't really understand what's going on is, he gets to basically say you, you what you did is was important
1: and mm-hmm. and meaningful um yeah and i like that a lot it was really touching i thought you know, like they didn't. They it wasn't half-assed. It wasn't like this thing. And then you have we don't have Jor running around for all time as this new version of him. That's right. over. That's good. That closes it all. The, I really like the the Superman Adam Strange conversation about this, where Superman really is trying to see any way that he can save him and get him out of it, but he kind of has to accept it and. You know, the way it was drawn. I'm not I'm not the world's biggest Ivan Reese fan. It's just it from a style standpoint, it's not my favorite kind of thing. But he, he did a great job with those scenes mm-hmm. for sure. And then and then finally I I really like the sort of the conversation with Zod at the end. Yes. Which I feel like, you know, it's sort of like Lex Luthor's, you know, Zod goes either way, you know, depending on where they're at. And I, I thought that this makes sense. It works. Well, sometimes a
0: bad guy who I don't know if Zod lives in the gray or not. I, I've never really... He's always been sort of bad. But he he was... You know, the, tr- the quote-unquote truth about Krypton was revealed to him. He he got to interact with jor again. He sees the Unity Day. He sees that there is maybe a chance to restart Krypton. Mm-hmm. Although the joke about how many babies are you going to have is very funny. And so maybe for this moment, he's going to give it a shot. Now, is it going to stick? Obviously not, because he's General Zod. But he's going to give it a shot to... If not, be good. At least go off and on his own and not bother anybody, and try to, you know, create a new Krypton. And the 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 other thing that got me was when Clark says to him, "Don't abuse it," and so that's your trust. He says, "No, the name of Krypton." Yeah, that was really good. That was. I mean, Bendis really gets Superman. He yeah. really gets him. And we said it before, but it's true. He really, he really gets Superman, and it's it's pretty amazing.
1: And not in a not in a like oh this book is so bendy sense which is really what was happening at Marvel at the end yeah now I look at it as like he was treading water yeah for sure you know well you know
0: after however many you know fifteen years of writing the same
1: characters in the same mm-hmm. ways you know how could you not yeah and I'm sure it was fun but it wasn't you know you know that again we've t- I, this is that I don't want to tread the same ground. That we have talked about, but but either way, I just I was a, it was a really well written. It was a really good conclusion to a story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, sticking the landing is not the best part of comics. It's certainly not been Bendis's. You know, you know, he's hit or miss. It's hard for a lot of people. Endings are yeah. hard.
0: Well, yeah. we have, we've mentioned the other big thing here is that the Legion now wants oh, to yeah. bring, bring uh, Jonathan back to the future with them, and. Uh, He's thinking about it, and the the, the ending of the story is, is Superman, Jonathan, Supergirl, and Crypto flying home. Jonathan's basically saying, how am I going to tell Damien? And then the, te- the tease is Super Sun's next issue. Yeah. So it sounds like he's going to do it. I mean, that would probably be, be, be the hook for the Legion superhero book. Yeah. This was good. This was one of the last books I read because you talked it up. So I always leave the stuff I'm most excited for till the end. And uh, I read a lot of good books this week. Yeah. But this one came out, and it just hit so many emotional beats. It was a satisfying conclusion. The art was terrific. Saturn Girl, the telepathic pixie dream girl. So that's nice.
1: <laughs> I'm in your head. Okay.
0: Get out of my head, blonde girl. You don't want to be in a teenager boy's head. It's, a good, it's a very good. I, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> ugh. I'm excited. I mean, I'm. I'm actually looking forward to this Legion book. I've never said that in my life. Yeah. I thought this was terrific. For a long time, we've been saying action was where the action was. Mm-hmm. And Superman was fun, but not not as good. But this this was this was a really terrific issue. This is one of the best single issues that Bendis has done in Superman, I think.
1: Yep. Agreed. You did good. All right. So speaking of Superman, let's move along to Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number three. Which I read right before
0: this one, and I thought, well, how good is Superman if this isn't the pick of the week? Well,
1: actually... <laughs> if i may yeah and then you can go on sure uh, fraction needs some some reining in in this one this was very fractiony but i liked it. it it was starting to leak out of the corners there were a couple of the, the text boxes leading into the the bits of the story that were uh, indulgent i love them Ugh, i was not i was i was not happy about it this was a bunch of short stories There's actually a a lot going on
0: in this series, if you think about how many storylines he's got going
1: on. It's very well constructed and plotted, and all of the stuff weaving in and out, I I think, is really good. I just, like, there's there's an element of fraction that I think is, you know, too cute by half, and Mm -hmm. it was starting to leak out here. And it wasn't offensive, but it did give me pause to be like, please don't let it go this way, because what I liked about it was that it was... Just about the story, and it wasn't sex criminal.
0: I I would, but I would disagree because it has been. I mean, this is the this is the outer limit. But Mm -hmm. it's been it's basically been this way the whole time. You know, the the text boxes have talked to us and made commentary, and it's been goofy and silly. And and now this has been the most it's been the most Mm -hmm. fraction. But this it's I I would say this is exactly how it's been the entire time. Fine. I mean, it's a strange book. It's totally strange. There's a, there's a scene, scene in the middle where Jimmy is tiny inside uh, someone's body, and then the the guy he's with dies, and they just sort of have a sitcom laugh about it while the guy's in the pictures in the clouds, and like that was so strange. Yeah, but I loved it because it was so strange. All right, this is something DC would never have done ten years ago. This kind of book. Mm-hmm. So to me, it represents a, maybe a loosening up a bit of. The tightness at DC about the characters, perhaps, and uh, just, the, just, the Libra art was terrific as always. I love the scene. Oh, I mean, the story with um, Metamorpho and the fake Jimmy was terrific. I thought. What's Metamorpho's deal lately? Is he I, for, for some reason I always think he's dead because of the beginning of the Grant Morrison? You can ask that question about about any character and not really know the real answer. But
1: I'm actually fine with the idea that like. He just shows up to help move a body one day <laughs> for no reason. I was like, let's just put a Metamorpho in here, and I'm like, no, I'm cool with that. And the weird bio, uh, Jimmy Olsen sex doll, mm-hmm. which was funny.
0: We have someone's trying to kill Jimmy, so in one storyline, he faking his death with this decoy body with Metamorpho. in the next storyline, we we get more of him in Gotham. This time, Lois Lane comes to see him and. He reveals he thinks he knows who he's tried to kill him with the giant crazy board of string and faces, which includes a picture of Bendis on there and what could be what I thought could be um, Norman Osborn, maybe. And then you know there's some goofiness, and I still love the the flashbacks to the pre Metropolis days with the Luthers and the Olsons at each other's throats. I thought that was a great opening sequence where basically he's, they're going to hang the loop the the Luther or the Alexander. And uh, he's like, if you do this, my family will never stop trying to kill you so they don't hang him. That was that was a nice twist. But they tar and feather him anyway. And then the, the next scene, Luther finds a bunch of artifacts. Like, I just love how interconnected this is, the twists and turns. Yes. It's silly. And I dig it. Now, I, I agree with you. This is the outer limit of how far I want this to go. Right. But, you know, this is issue three. three. Only issue three? That's what I said. <laughs> I would have thought like six. Yeah, it's three. I just, I just double-checked to make sure. The first two are really terrific. I had a lot of fun reading this one, but I can also see why you wouldn't. And, and listen, traditionally, I'm not a fraction guy and not yeah. a guy who likes this, this side of fraction. But I think because it's Jimmy Olsen, it works.
1: I've just enjoyed it so much. And I, I like how it was. And I don't I don't want it to get any more self-indulgent. I don't know. Like the level was just right. I, I got just apprehensive. The chemistry about it. was off for you. That's all right. So Spider-Man 1. From J.J. Abrams and his son, Henry, which mm-hmm. is a fine name for a son, if I might say so myself. I feel like this was just announced, and it came out very, very quickly. Does it feel like that to you? Yes, but then again, we don't pay attention to this stuff. It's true. Well, normally, if when they announce something, it's when the solicitation, then then three months later, the thing comes out. But this was not announced three months ago. It could have been. All right, whatever. What'd you think? Sarah Pacelli on art.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, first, I think it's weird... Because it's basically a Spider-Man Elseworlds story, but they don't do anything to tell you that beforehand. I did not like that it was called Spider-Man Number 1. Yeah, I, I really feel like something like this needs a subtitle or, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a miniseries, obviously. But it, it needs something to distinguish itself. And now, again, we don't read the news and stuff, so it could have been very clear. But if you're just some jamoke on the street walking into a comic store and you see Spider-Man Number 1, I feel like there should be some indication that this is not your normal Spider-Man book. Because mm-hmm. not, and so I can imagine someone being very shocked. Like I'll read J.J. Abrams writing Spider-Man. That sounds cool, and then you you get into it, and it's a it's a Elseworlds future story about Spider-Man and Mary Jane's son.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was thrown because I I, you know, I didn't know anything other than the cover image and the names. of the, and Also, we should mention Dave Stewart. It's a tiny little credit at the bottom of the cover.
1: It's weird. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like it's like featuring Tom Bond. It's like someone. <laughs>
0: right someone forgot they're supposed to be credited the colors too and they just had to slap it on i mean i didn't dislike it uh I, there was some things about it i didn't like but once i got my mind wrapped around the idea that oh this is basically an elseworld story that i was like okay well i can i can roll with that are you ready so my last point before you before you launch into whatever angry stratosphere you, you're going into <laughs> i really like sarah petrelli and i think she's a terrific artist we talked about her a lot she came up oh. on spider-man with bendis and I, I'm always excited to see her name. I thought she was really rough here. I thought it was the the worst Aunt May I've ever seen. But there were some things that really worked, but it was a, overall it was a weird looking book.
1: Yeah, she's definitely doing a different thing. There's a lot. There's a lot of good about the art. No, for, for uh, sure there, there was some things I liked. I thought her Peter in the beginning, the whole
0: sequence in the beginning was good. She does teenagers really well. Yeah, she came up doing Ultimate Spider Man, so she she can do kids really well. Then she's no, not just tiny adults. I just really hated the Aunt May. Uh, model Mm -hmm. the villain is kind of boringly designed Uh uh-huh if you put a gun in my head i I couldn't describe him at all yeah but other than that it's mostly a teenager running around so that that part was okay
1: all right so just to begin (laughs) obviously they went all out you know to get a team on here yeah you got you got sarah pocelli and dave stewart like that's that's pretty camp miss combo this is an awful cover it's (laughs) awful it's not a good drawing it's not a good drawing. It's not a good. I don't know. It looks like it looks like somebody was, like, is like an art project for a kid who was pretty good at art in the middle of high school.
0: It's, I just don't understand like, what Mary Jane's doing. Her body is strange.
1: The red line, I guess, is a web. Yeah, it's a web, but it goes through his head. Well, it goes behind his head. I know he's but, letting go of it. But like, photographically, it looks like it's going through his head. Mm. It's weird you've got i don't know like like the lettering of the title like it needs a stroke or i don't know it's just something and then i don't know if dave stewart colored the cover but it's like at the bottom there's all these weird effects that don't sort of i don't know it's not a good cover it's not striking it it's a book that i'd be like what is that that that's not like i would notice it because it is boring sorry that's the beginning so I am in. First of all, I am in no way bothered by the nepotism of JJ. Yeah, J. J. hold Abrams on. Let me just say his, that Terpichilli so
0: and Dave Stewart did the cover, so it was Dave yeah. Stewart colored.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, he might have gotten to be like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" You know, because mm-hmm. he's a he's a genius. I have no problem with you know. I get you want JJ Abrams to do your comic book. You'll do anything to get his name on there, and he's like, "I want my son," and you say, "Okay, sure thing, Mister Abrams." Whatever. I don't care. I would do the same thing for my son, probably. And I don't know the difference between who did what or how it works. This kid's kind of young. Whatever. The story felt to me like somebody was trying to do some revolutionary Spider-Man story, but they'd never read comic books. We're going to do this stuff. It's going to be great. Check out the pitch. And you're sitting there as a person who's been reading comic books for 20 years going, yeah, all this stuff has been done. It's not edgy. It's it's just like it was just a boring setup and like I'm I am really getting tired of like look they killed Mary Jane like I just like I, I don't like it when you're setting your main character up with they've gone through a tremendous trauma. Spider-Man already did that. He did it with Uncle Ben, he did it with Gwen Stacy and I get that there's a pattern there, but I find it boring. And I I also understand that it's a device to get Peter Parker off the main stage so that his kid can his kid Ben they always name the kid Ben, by the way. But they would. Peter would not absolutely name the kid Ben. I know, but this is what I'm saying. Like, it's one of those. here's what we're going to do. And like, all right. Well, I think you're prescribing a lot of motivation that you can't possibly know. That's true. I am speculating a thousand percent. But that's what it feels like to me. It feels like something that thought it was very original, but isn't. And that's what I kept thinking as I was reading it. Like, it was fine. It was well enough done. Also, I kind of guess I just didn't buy that Peter Parker would completely lose faith. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really tough for me. He not only lost his wife, he lost his arm. I know. But, you know, he's Spider-Man. He, we, You know, he did that. He walked away. Spider-Man no more. Threw it in the trash can. Realized he had to come back. Great power comes great responsibility. It seems like it's antithetical to the core of the character.
0: Yeah. I mean, I thought this was okay. I didn't love this. I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. I had a problem with the way it was structured in terms of giving you information. So in the beginning, after we're in the quote-unquote present day, Mary Jane is killed, and we cut 12 years later, and there's a... Well, they had, they had a little kid at the time, so it was even future, in the future than the now, the present day part. And so these the, kids in high school, red-headed Peter Parker named Ben, and he takes a bully and tosses him through a door in high school. So I thought, okay, so he's right, clearly open with his powers and or knows he has powers or what because mm-hmm.
1: he didn't seem shocked by that there wasn't a whoa
0: yeah toss through a door that comes off his hinges because you throw him so hard is is not your normal teenage thing so i thought okay well he, he just lost control for a second but he knows he's he's got power to the next scene after he, he you know him and his dad get in a fight and he drops ben off with aunt may who's got to be 100 years old by now you know, he's stuck to the door, doesn't understand why he's stuck to the door, and then he pulls it off the hinges, doesn't understand that, and then at one point later, he's stuck to the ceiling, doesn't, like, it's like, wait a minute, so does he not know he has powers? So then why didn't he seem more concerned when he tossed a kid through a door? Like you said, there was no mo- moment of reaction to that. So it was a very strange unveiling of this kid's abilities, I thought.
1: Also, I'm just saying, Peter Parker would do better than a metal hook. He knows people. <laughs>
0: yeah he's an engineer he made he made the web shooters he probably right, exactly yeah, yeah
1: exactly even if he didn't know people, he could figure it out <laughs> instead of this weird arrested development moment <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just you know it 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 felt like it felt to me like the editors were like, okay, that's what if you know like like instead of where if it was like a lesser known it's it's writer Nick, it's Nick Lowe editing and he's you know he's not he's no <laughs> slouch. He's uh, he's very good at um, talent um, relations.
0: So you wonder if they just let JJ run with it. He could have used another pass, I think. He could have definitely used another pass of, hey, let's really – let's make this more clear. or Let's let's dig into this moment where he has – like the, the moment where he should freak out is not the moment he's stuck to the door. It's the moment he tosses the kid through the door. Yep. And that, that just doesn't happen. It's, it's a – it was a weird book. I thought it was a weird book. I didn't yep. dislike it as much as you did, but I also didn't like like it either. So it was mm-hmm. strange. I'll probably read another one just to see,
1: but like I'm not thrilled to read another one. Right, House of X number five. Much like Over in Jimmy Olsen, I'm I am <laughs> I am starting to lose my grip. This is super Hickman-y. Yeah, Hickman and Laraz.
0: Me too. Well, I mean. This seems like a pretty big deal, what happened in this issue. I feel like, remember in Star Trek Into Darkness, the terrible second Star Trek film of the new uh-huh. films where they hear death, but seem to they really gloss right over it? You may not remember because the movie was really
1: bad. Yeah, I barely remember. Here they Wait, th- one, one quick question. Was there a third Star Trek movie? Yes, it was terrific. Okay, got yeah. it. Just couldn't remember. So here they basically,
0: by harnessing the powers of these five mutants whose names I don't really know because they're mostly new mutants, have found a way to regrow any mutant to their optimal physical age and stature. Which is, by the way, sign me up. (laughs) And then Professor Xavier injects their... Injects their consciousness and their memories and into the new clone so it's like they have been reborn at their physical prime and so in the beginning we we have cyclops and wolverine i guess we found out wolverine can die because all these the the strike force in the last one blew up in that in that space station so cyclops and wolverine and angel and nightcrawler and gene gray and magic and mystique and monet all died and now they've been cloned and regrown to their optimal physical form and had their, their consciousness re... re, re so that they've, been, they've been cloned. Mm-hmm. So I feel like more people should, should be talking about the fact that these are not... All these major X-Men characters are dead and now they've been cloned and we're, these are now their clones. Like, this mm-hmm. is a major thing. This is in continuity. Yeah, when they did this to Spider-Man, it almost brought the whole company down. Right. Like, this is a major deal. And I get the, the idea is an interesting one where it's like we can basically bring back all the mutants that have died, all the ones that have been massacred. You know, for a while, you know, there was remember no more mutants and there was like mm-hmm. 40 mutants left. And now they can bring back tens of thousands of mutants that have been killed. It's an interesting idea. Yep. But it seems like a pretty major thing that's happening. Pretty major. I mean,
1: but we don't know that it isn't. Sure, you know but I mean? like, like we, you know, there, there, maybe there are repercussions for it. Maybe I don't know what people are talking about. I don't pay attention, but you know, that's just part of the story. I don't, I think that's fine how it was in the story. There's a lot of text in this one. I actually really like this issue. I thought this was the best issue so far. I, I, I loved it. I don't think it was bad at all. I think you know, it's like everything was done really well, but it, it gets further away from the things that I'm interested in, um, which is fine. It's not really even a criticism. It's an interesting. S- series because it's mostly people
0: standing around and i mean there was that strike force issue that was great the 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 raid commando raid that was fun but other than that it's been most people standing around on krakoa talking
1: i mean i I guess the one of the things is that overall that makes this difficult and maybe this is what i'm sort of leaning towards or landing on is that i get first it's fun to watch the mutants stand up for themselves Mm -hmm. finally like we've been down too long and then as we keep going, we I mean we've seen into the future and shit goes bad. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's, yeah. Like it's hard to kind of hard to tell. Yeah. But like they're kind of turning into assholes and it's they're turning fascistic and you've got you've got storm like leading these chants. Yeah. You know. And and I I was like, "Well, are you what are you doing with these characters like
0: and that's that to me is the interesting f- repercussion thing. So I mean, I mean, they're all
1: they're all turning into little dictators. Yeah, and and, and you know, let's not forget, like we are the humans. <laughs> you know, right. like, Wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, no, I just mean like like it's it's getting a little harder to be like to relate to them, right? Because the fact is, there's lots of bad humans. We all know that we live in the world, you know, but most are not. They're turning into what
0: we what they were always feared to be. Yes. Right? So the whole thing about the X-Men was, you know, everyone thought they were one thing. And they were we, – we knew, the readers knew, they were actually good guys. Right. Who were unfairly maligned. But now they are becoming the thing that Senator Kelly and all of them thought they were. That has to be the story, you would think, because it seems too obvious to not be.
1: You know, hubris is as hubris does – but I don't want that. Like, I, well, I, I don't mind it in the story. I'm, but it's. It, I feel like it's. I don't know how to root for. It. Like, well, what am I supposed to be happy about in this? Right. I don't know because it's the progress that they're making is scary. I don't know. It's very. I guess the the thing is we haven't seen
0: anyone disagree. Maybe. Yeah. That yeah. That's a good point. No one, up to including Wolverine, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, you know, the good guys. Yeah. They're all like, this is cool. We're in. And there's been been no one like, hey, we're we're getting real weird here. No one said that yet.
1: It's a really good point, point. and I, I think that definitely hits net. And you know, the ones who you've you know you've you know, Wolverine, you know, somebody be like, maybe we're we're going a little. He's been the one that's big.
0: never bought into the crap, you know. Yeah, maybe that's it. Listen, you put me in my physical peak body, my age peak, all that stuff. I might give you some rope for a while, but. It seems a little strange that there hasn't even been dissent in the ranks, because it's, it's getting very like you know the the five who have returned are looked at like these godlike characters, and everyone is sort of bowing down to them, and there's light shining on them as they stand there, and it's very obviously messianic. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a turn here at some point. I don't think we're supposed to feel good about any of this.
1: Yeah. So what am I supposed to feel good about?
0: I mean, there's two issues left of each. Well, there's three yeah. issues left of this house and powers thing. So. Either by the end we're supposed to, to know, but it's it's interesting. There hasn't really been an another side of the coin for this story.
2: Yeah,
1: and there's not a lot of time left. I like it. For how long? We'll see. But I like it. Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate. I, but it's like everything he does. There's a beautiful bit of crafting or whatever. But like, I, I don't, I don't feel good. And at this point, I don't want to read comics that don't make me feel good. <laughs> You know, like I want, like I, you just heard us talk about that Superman book, and I know there should be a balance. Not everything should be like that, but man, do I gravitate towards that a lot more. Did you read GI Joe number one from
0: IDW? Yeah. Paul Allor, our old friend, uh, stood on the writer writing side, yep. Chris Evanous, 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 Evanoui, Evanoui. <laughs> on art, so here we have a setup in which this is a new series, a new. A paradigm. I don't know if it's connected to what was happening before. I didn't read that what happened before. You might have read more than I had in that sense. I don't no, know. No, no, I was. I could have used a recap. Well, you read the Aubrey and stuff. I don't know if this was connected I to did. that or not. It Actually, no, because that it had the Transformers in it, didn't it? Uh, Yeah. So here there's a worldwide war with Cobra happening. Cobra is winning. It's occupied much of the world, including much of the United States. And then it opens with Cobra Occupied Chicago, in which Duke is on the run. He's got a thumb drive that he tosses into a garbage can to escape the Cobra troops and as some kid is retrieving the thumb drive, Duke is overrun by the troops and Major Blood executes him in the street so Duke is dead. Very heavy shades of sort of occupied France you know, had Mm -hmm. very strong Nazi vibes. The Cobra troops are all, the Vipers are all in black as opposed to blue and I had a very strong sense of the underground, you know everyone's sort of living under the thumb of this regime and no one really likes it but what are you gonna do right uh, i like that tone of it a lot and then uh the kid obviously gets recruited into the to gi joe and he meets up with scarlet and roadblock and some other dude who looked like flint but clearly wasn't flint shouldn't have given him the beret
1: he was dressed exactly like flint right i think well flint he's wearing suspenders and a beret that's strange and then it was like and then you read the thing at the end and you're like he's supposed to be he's pakistani yeah it's I was like none of that didn't read at all yeah the soccer and so the kid gets recruited and
0: uh-huh. cobra has taken over the u.s they at the end of the issue the government surrenders and so now they're the gi joe's like an underground force i liked it i didn't love the art it was a little i don't know how to dis- describe my not enthusiasm of
1: it a little it stiff seems like i would like it yes. but i didn't yeah and also there were several egregious examples of left-hand panel stacking in this <laughs> and i was like oh come on that's just rookie shit. I I, re- I had really mixed feelings about it. I did too. I there were bits that I liked and there were bits that I didn't. I think overall in the tone, like, I was, you know, it, it's the same thing. I think that we're, like, you had the book called Spider-Man 1 and I got this thing, G.I. Joe 1. And I was like, I don't mind being thrown into a story. No, but uh, I don't really necessarily not knowing what had come before. And it was hard to set up. I don't know. It was, just a, it was a very different tone where we talk about, like, the, the book that Aubrey Siderson had done. I mean... They could not be more different. GI right. Joe, you know, runs, and I and that makes sense. You wouldn't want to do the same thing again, nor nor could you. But I wanted an aware. I wanted a little bit better footing. You and I, we know GI Joe fairly well, and there's a little bit of like when when Major Blood shoots Duke in the head. I mean, this is literally the same beat that was in that Spider Man book that I didn't like.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I get it. It's shocking. It says here's where we are. But it feels like – I feel like I want less comics like that. I don't want to see Duke get shot in the head. I don't want I that. I kind of do. He was a dirk. trying to steal Scarlet <laughs> from Snake Eyes. My favorite bit, I think the thing that was done best, there was a bit where Stalker was talking about you know the revolutionaries. And like they all want to be revolutionaries or whatever, but they don't, don't want to do the discipline in the train. I was like that was awesome. Yeah. It was a great Stalker it's, moment. It's I easy to
0: like. want to be revolutionary. It's harder to actually do what it takes to become a revolutionary. That was good. Yeah. I didn't mind the setup so much because we know GI Joe so much. It's, it's for me, it's not so hard to be like, "Here's the vague idea of what's happening." Yeah, let's it, move it, forward. It works. It's- but to me, it's like, okay, I get you want to introduce two new characters, but there's so many GI Joe characters. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. really need any new ones, you know. And they represent every. It's already a multinational. It's yeah. it's very ahead of its time when you think about it very multinational multi-ethnic group as it is so you know why not use one of the, the established Joes make them a young guy who has a, a girl who's not in the team
1: and, and choose him that way I don't need new ones what's funny is that like I don't care about the new ones Aubrey got tons of shit and was kind of run out of town by by groups of folks who were mad that he'd turned one of the characters into a female character that nobody in the world knows you know and then this one immediately was like here's this kid he's gay and I was like, "It's use the same thing the other dude did, which you know isn't necessarily like get it representation. It's fine, but I I noticed it. I don't want well, to." Well, the point it. is, it already had tons of representation. G.I. Joe. Right. That's yeah. one place um, that didn't need to be.
0: I, I don't even care about the changes. I just think, why introduce two characters I don't know about or care about? Just use the established ones. And if you're already changing the, you're already changing the dynamic. Why not make, you know, Jinx. A twenty-year-old college kid who's yeah isn't on the team and have and have her be brought in. You know, I don't need new people on GI Joe. There's already a hundred of them, Well, if not more. I think you're right. I didn't dislike it. Certainly, mm-hmm. of many of the GI Joe reboots we've read over the years, Good, yeah, this would fall on the on the side of I enjoyed it. It's not GI Joe Cobra, but it's no. not some of the other ones I've read where I'm just like
1: ugh. Paul Aller's a a good writer. He's experienced and he's good at the craft. Uh, and it's a tough job too. I mean, so I'm I'm
0: I'm gonna read some more of it. Mm -hmm. The art was kinda I mean, there was a couple of sequences that are right, but the art was not didn't thrill me. Yeah. I'm gonna read a little bit more of it. It just I don't I I don't need the new
1: characters. I don't care about the new characters. There was a bit too where Roadblock shoots somebody and he's like, I just killed someone I'm like. Oh, that was weird too. That was really weird.
0: That was really bizarre. They get Attacked by the, the vipers and Roadblock shoots one of them in the head after grappling with them for a long time and he's like freaking out about it. And I was like, "What?"
1: Well, the, that plus the idea that the person telling him to like stow it, the one who looked exactly <laughs> like Flint with an evil Flint twin brother beard, gave him like the advice. And I was like, "That's Roadblock." Yeah, he's an he's an OG. The and the and the and the the Flint guy. I'm calling him Flint guy. I'm sorry. That's I thought did. it was Flint the whole time. They never identified him and they never said his name. They said he was a substitute teacher, and before that he'd been in like you know anti terrorist operations in Pakistan or whatever. But I was like, he's not; he's new to the team. That was weird. That was that was was really weird. weird. Yeah, he's he's old school.
0: He's like second wave.
1: Carries a fifty caliber Browning. That's his job. (laughs) He didn't shoot anybody with that thing.
0: (laughs) Well, not in the cartoon, but maybe these are the cartoon characters, in which case Duke definitely could have been shot.
1: I didn't know that you didn't like
0: Duke.
1: So He took Scarlet from Snake Eyes. I never forgave him for it. Wow. Never.
2: Oh.
1: Well, there you go. But the, my thing was really, too, that like, I was like, I, I just don't want G.I. Joe's getting shot in the head as a thing. Like, it makes it makes it's, the stakes – it worked really well in G.I. Joe Cobra for whatever reason – but it makes the stakes of like it's hard to reconcile a character like Major Blood, who is very silly, <laughs> into like a cold-blooded killer, and there's a big gulf there.
0: I don't know. I mean, I, it's it is tough because when we when we spent years praising the super dark, gritty, realistic take on G.I. before, so I, to me it didn't bother me, and also, if anything, it was somewhat I don't want to say lazy, but like in the movies they did the same thing—they killed Duke off in the beginning of that one, the last movie, second one, yeah. Jenny Tatum. Yeah, they killed Duke, and that that had roadblock too. He didn't have a problem with killing anybody because he was the Rock. It it seems like the thing to do is to kill Duke, and to be, I don't know why, but
1: that's. Uh, but I mean, it, to me, it's it's a, it's it's obvious. Let's say trick, but it's just it's a move. You know, right. it, you think this guy's gonna be the main character? Nope. Yep. It's know. a new game
0: now, boys. <sighs> I liked it more when I read it. Now I think about it, I like it less. Sorry. That's all right. That's what we do here. Let's take a quick break and talk about how,
1: for 5,000 years, human beings have been shaving. Can you believe that? Do so you think they did? So they've been shaving for over 5,000 years. Were yeah. they not shaving originally? I'm guessing not. I guess it That was not. just like, I guess I'll just live with this itchiness. <laughs> so, ingrown in hairs? What is this hap? Happen? What's happening to my face? Hey, you know what? Let's figure out agriculture.
0: You got it. From flint tools to shark teeth to the first copper razor, we always knew the great shave comes down to the simple fact... A sharp, durable blade. Good blades. That's that's the key to any good shave. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on the qualities that actually matter for a close, comfortable shave, and they never upcharge you. Join the 10 million people who have tried Harry's. Claim your special trial offer. by going to harrys.com slash ifanboy. Josh and I use Harry's. We love it. I have all my Harry's products. I've got my post-shave balm. I have my, my daily moisturizer. I've given out Harry's sets for Christmas. I'm, a, I'm sure. a Harry's evangelist. You're a convert. Yeah, yeah I, mean. I got my brother an engraved set one year with his, na- with his name on it.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: He's got a short name, so I was able to get the whole name on there. <laughs> I've been using it for years. I love it. Josh and I talk tell you about it every time. It's it's a great product. Before they ever advertise on the show. That's right. Price is good, especially if you buy a lot of razors. If you're someone like me mm-hmm. who shaves every day, you go through razors
1: pretty quickly. It, it's a revelation not having to spend 30 bucks on a pack of razors. It's funny because originally I just liked the idea that they were sending them to me. But now every once in a while I'll be in like a Target and they're there and I go, oh, just get them here. So it's sort of reverse convenience. Right. Works either way.
0: Harry's is a return to and a focus on the essential, which is quality durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. And again, it all comes down to the blades. What the Greeks knew is what what Harry's know. Just get a good blade. (laughs) So to keep prices low, they cut the middleman out. Harry owns a world-class blade factory in Germany that makes some of the best razor blades in the world. They've done it for 99 years. Now they provide great quality at a factory direct price. Harry's is also a brand you can be proud of. 1% of sales are donated to organizations that provide access to mental health care for men, which is that's a big, awesome. big problem. A lot of men don't seek out me- mental health care or are afraid to. or So that's an issue that can be better funded, and that's a good thing But Harry's is helping to do that. There's no risk for you to try Harry's out. If you don't like the blades, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. Here's the set you can get by going to harrys.com ifanboy. Weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, and a rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. And, of course, the all-important travel blade cover. It keeps the razor dry and keeps your skin free of cuts and blood when you reach into your travel bag to go get your <laughs> razor. The blades are good. We just told you how good the blades are, so don't use them on your fingers. Use them on your face.
1: you got to show caution.
0: Go to harrys.com slash ifanboy to start shaving better today. I think the main story of Black Hammer is over. Wow. Black Hammer, Age of Doom number 12. Now, the Black Hammer franchise is not over because it's proving to be very popular. However, and again, if you are ever going to read this book or interested in reading it, use the show notes, skip forward to the next book. I don't want you to know how this, this ends. But basically, the story of Black Hammer has been these DC amalgams from the Silver Age stuck in this little farm town purgatory. They don't know how they got there. They don't know how to get out. And the one character who tried to get out died. Black Hammer, his daughter, found them, and they were able to escape from the purgatory. Finally, this happened a couple of issues ago. And what they discovered is that basically, basically, who's basically Dark Side is going to attack the earth because the balance has been thrown off. The only way to stop him from destroying the earth is for them to go back to purgatory. And so in this issue, there's a very heartfelt and emotional argument about going back to the farm purgatory to save everyone else. And that is what they choose to do at the end. So they have gone back, they are living their lives and they can't come back because if they do, the dark side will return. So they've, they've chosen self-sacrifice. And at the end, they, we see them living in this purgatory and then we see Black Hammer, the new Black Hammer, his daughter, Back in the real world. It says the end at the end. So I think the main characters are done. Now we'll f- keep following the side stories. They, they, they tease some more books at the end. And this is this is, seems to be a gold mine for Dark Horse and for Jeff Lemire. So that's going to keep going in some fashion. But I think the main story is over.
1: It seemed like it. Well, all right. And a good ending. When I saw Flash Forward number one, I said, well, what's this? And then I saw Scott Lobb and I moved on. <laughs> you made the smart move. Oh, it's <laughs> shocking. Flash Forward number one. Scott Lobdell, Brett Booth,
0: you have not hit your head woke up in 1992. I only read this because it's the continuing story of Wally West from the pages of Heroes in Crisis. I just wanted to see, I read this issue, I'm not going to read any more issues. This was a gobbledygook mess from the very first page. This is everything I dislike about 90s comics. The art is very 90s, I've never been a Brett Booth fan. I honestly couldn't even really tell you what was going on here some weird temporal character was very much like the one over in justice league, but it's not that character breaks Wally West out of Blackgate prison for some unknown reason. And not unknown, but I'm sure it's in there. Just, it was just so many, so many words. And then he ends up on one of the other earths at the very end. I don't really even care. It it didn't look good. It didn't read good. I can't imagine an angrier fan base right now than the Wally West fan base. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of one that has reason to be angry, but I can't think of one. It was just, it was not good. There was nothing good about it. <laughs> it was a mistake to read it. I wanted, I wanted to see. It wasn't a mistake, but I wanted, I wanted to see. I also wanted to mention briefly Archie, nineteen fifty-five, number one. Mark Wade, Brian Augustine, Tom
1: Grummet. If
0: you recall, they did it Archie, nineteen forty-five, before. I do. They went back to the like, not the well, but
1: I, I was, I was interested to see that they had continued the, uh, the theme.
0: So what they're doing is basically Archie, and I guess every decade. I guess they'll
1: do sixty-five next. So it's like the Spider-Man series.
0: It's not the same same world of characters it's not, they're okay. not aging it's just now let's do them as you know recent graduates in 1955 instead of 45 so in 45 is all about going to war and, and Archie fighting the war and Reggie fighting the war and moose but here it's the 50s and it's post-war America and Archie and Reggie and Jughead have a band and
1: they didn't have to go to Korea then
0: no Archie here discovers he, he, Chuck takes him to the black side of town and the jazz clubs and the rock clubs and he discovers a different kind of rock and roll and it was very music based, you know. Uh, a DJ l- hears them play and likes them and wants to sign the band, and but they can't afford to make a demo. Like it's all very much about their band and rock and roll, and and uh, I actually had a lot of fun. Grummet did a good job, you know. He's a very solid artist. He's a diff- he's yeah. a different kind of '90s artist than Brett Booth. Yeah, Wade and Augustine, you know, know, know these characters really well, and it's it's just a lot. Of, this is a fun little jaunt into these into these past times, and you know, I can only assume sixty-five will be will be about Vietnam and. And it'll be less fun. But this was a really, really fun sort of. It almost felt like uh, I, I want to say American Graffiti because that was kind of dark. But almost a little bit like Happy Days, you know, like uh-huh. you know they got a band and they, they want to make a record and how they're going to do that and right. the stakes were very low. Cool. In, in, in this That's week what of, it's supposed to be in this week of comics, the big the big thing was how are they going to afford to make a demo. In our in Riverdale, and where are they going to record it? Because there's nowhere to record. That's a now.
1: real problem for young bands,
0: right? So, <laughs> as opposed to all the other world shaking stakes, this was a fun little read.
1: I read Lex Luthor Year of the Villain number one. The reason mm-hmm. I did so was because I saw Jason Latour's name on. I thought, no, oh, that could be interesting. Lex Luthor to me is is a you know, there's lots of things you can do with that character, and uh many of them are interesting and fun to listen to or, or read. I really like this little issue. Hey, I had some time traveling. I had some universe. You know, jumping different versions of Luther. It was good. It was, you know, it was it was a lot of things that I like about Jason Latour's work, uh, wrapped up in this. And Brian story. Hitch drew it? Brian Hitch was it was great, Brian Hitch. Yeah. It really was. Not that he's like bad. You know, it was like a little thing to put him on, and I think he he did he destroyed it. Did a great job. That's good. Yep, fun.
0: So those books we're gonna talk about. There's some other books. There's a lot of again, I had more than twenty books this week after last week. It was a big week of comics. But let's talk about the patron pick where The patrons over patreon.com slash ifanboy vote to add a book to the rundown. This week, the wire-to-wire winner was Inferior 5, number one, from DC Comics. Keith Giff and Jeff Lemire. It's another 12-issue maxi-series. DC is coming back with the maxi series. I am very interested in what you thought, Josh, because I had very specific thoughts, but I think I have some slight context to what's going on here, where I think
1: you probably have the zero. You thought correctly, <laughs> I I saw it and I thought, do I want that? I said, nah, I'm, I don't need to read that. And then it was the patron pick, so I said, okay, I guess I will, I thought it was very good looking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was very impressed, you know, I mean, Keith Kiffin knows how to do storytelling, but so much of his work that I see tends to be, like, he does the layouts. Like, he does all the sort of storytelling work. And he doesn't really actually do the pencils all that often. But he did. And, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, boy.
0: This is plotted by Giffen Lemire. Giffen drew the main story. Lemire did the script. And then Lemire wrote and drew the backup
1: story. Right. Yeah. The point being, like, I thought Giffen did a great job. Yeah. And uh, Michelle Delek with inks over that. It's really nice looking. Nothing looks like Keith Giffen. He's very unique. Yeah, it's true. Art style, uh, and and also not dated in any way. Like, if this came out in an image book, it'd be like, "That's a really good looking image book." He's
0: sixty six years old, so he's still you know, he's yeah.
1: not, it's not old, but not, you know, not young. He's, yeah. he's still got it. I mean, a lot a lot of people at that at that point, they're gonna they're gonna look like they're drawing a book from a different era completely. Right, not the case. He's in it. I love it. I have no idea what this was about. And I never once uh, <laughs> gleaned onto it. A couple of times I thought maybe I would know what it was about, but I didn't. And I don't know if that is a fault. I mean, it's an issue number one, so probably should have told me something.
0: I was very surprised that two veterans like Giffen and Lemire did such a poor job of giving you context. So I barely was hanging out with my fingernails. I didn't know really what was going on. What either. does this come out of? I don't, even, I don't even know what this is related to. Well, here's the weird thing. It's related to a 1989 event in DC called Invasion. Okay. Chaos in the Wake of the Invasion, and then they're talking about the invasion, the battle for Metropolis, and all the, the dominators. That was a, an event book in 1989. I was there. I read it at the time. Fun fact, Todd McFarlane drew two of the issues. This is mm. before Spider-Man. It was a Keith Giffen-written event about an alien invasion. Well-remembered, the CW shows use it for one of their crossovers as the plot, in the Annals of DC Events, it's a pretty big one. Although it happened before most people reading comics, I bet, were reading comics. So it's related to that. I don't know how or why. I mean, it's it's, it's set in the 80s, clearly, this inferior five. That's a other continuity. I don't... It just... It, if I hadn't read that book as a kid, I would be 100% lost. I'm only 95% lost here. Because I know the greater context, but... The hows, the whys, the what the fuck is this? Why am I reading it? Who are these characters? Why is the
1: comic shop still open? <laughs> it's post-apocalyptic.
0: It was a very weird, very weird comic. I didn't like it, and I felt bad about not liking it because I like these creators a lot. I like the backup stories only slightly more because I like really like looking at it. I like, I like whenever they let Lemire draw the DCU because it's so bizarre looking. Yeah, but. That was it. I didn't like reading. It was weird. I didn't
1: I don't know why this this is. It's funny is that I kept seeing the Dominators in the background of other stories, um notably in that Superman story, as part mm-hmm. of the, you know, the and I was like, "Those guys are ridiculous." Like, he's not necessarily a bad guy here, but he looks like the most evil thing ever. Mhm. Which I thought was really funny, and then it's like, "Oh no, they are evil." Okay. <laughs> I mean, they are. They're pretty bad. I mean, it's in the name. Then there's the teeth.
0: Inferior 5 was originally from the 60s. It was a parody book from DC Comics, a superhero parody book.
1: hmm But... Well, I mean, it just begs the question is... By the way, 12 issues. <laughs> 12 issues. Um, good luck with that. I don't know who this is for.
0: I don't know who this is for. I mean, it should be for me because I, I was there for the original sure. story, but it, I didn't find anything
1: here to latch on to. I think it's for Giffen and Lemire. I, my guess is, like, Giffen has, like, had this in his back pocket and really wanted to do it for a while. And Lemire, you know, maybe, you know, he's like, sure, let's do that. That sounds fun because he knew it or liked it or whatever. But It just seemed to
0: me an odd thing. It, it didn't have any – it didn't have a hook. No. Like, uh, the, the mystery certainly wasn't a hook. The, the guy with the X face who killing people wasn't a hook. The characters weren't hooks. If you're going to set it in a very specific time in the DCU in the 80s during this seminal story, maybe do a better job of making that really clear. Give me something. I got nothing. Yeah, it was weird. Very weird. Mm -hmm. What would you rate this book out of five stars if you were doing ratings for it?
1: If I was being very generous and I am assuming that the creators know what they're doing and I just do not have the requisite information to follow along, I would give it a two. That's being very generous. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Because I do give these guys more credit so i'm I'm, I'm gonna make, I think it, that two
2: make.
0: makes sense because it looked really good both it did. both stories, so I'll give it a two for the art, but man, I had no fun reading it, and i I felt very frustrated and annoyed, especially since i I felt like I should know what was going on. Granted it was thirty years ago. it was just a weird
1: book. I don't know why I mean anybody book- who who knew more than you do right now is insane, <laughs> right you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, you, you know the absolute maximum amount that anybody should be expected to know. And it was not enough. Like, reasonably expected, for sure. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mark Wade knows more. Keith Giffen knows more. <laughs> Those aren't reasonable people.
0: No, no, exactly. They're professionals. The, the rest of us, uh, it's just, it was weird. It's weird.
1: Are you going to read the next one? No. Okay. God, no. That being said, the patrons are responsible for this pick. And I actually don't think it was a bad pick. No, I don't. It's interesting. It was. It was interesting. I said, oh, cool. I will check this out. It is not the fault of the patrons what the creators did with it. And so I'm totally fine with that as a patron pick. So how do you get to be part of this? Well, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. The main purpose of that is to try to support the show, um, to to you know say, this thing that you do is important to me and I want to contribute to it in a way because that is how the economy of entertainment works at this point, and we need it and appreciate it, and it really makes this whole thing it keeps it alive. Uh, 100%. Uh, the patrons are responsible for what you're hearing, and and that cannot be undersold enough. There are stretch goals. We want to grow and continue to change and keep giving you new things. You know, all these different. Somebody asked us about the format of the show in our 700th episode, and you know, the patron has changed the format of the show in a really great way. They've given us all these new things that we weren't doing before, and I think have really added something to what's going on and also you know when we're responsible to people in a monetary sense i think it puts a a little fire in our bellies um, Mm -hmm. to want to do a good job for that so next stretch goal you can see this over at patreon.com slash ifanboy uh we are going to add a monthly non-comics media podcast and we will upload all of the missing full-length video shows and uh, minis to our youtube channel and make sure those are back on the website so that it is all available to you you also have the option of going to our store over at ifanboy.threadless.com Spreadless, known for T-shirts, but there are other things that you can get our any of our seven designs on there. ifanboy.com slash support is a little little simpler. If you just want to deal with doing a, a single one-time tip jar direct donation to PayPal, you can do that there. Uh, you can also go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. You will find links to buy the books um, that we talk about on the the Booksplode or the Pick of the Week and a general link to Amazon if you want to. Um, that's a good way to indirectly help the, the podcast as well. That's it. Go over there and do those things. Thank you so much to everybody who does. And we're not done with patrons yet because it is time for the people who get $5 or over a month, they get on a list, which is very long, to get their patron powers.
0: Before you start with Joe, I just want to mention that Please. it could have been a very different patron pick discussion because the number two book was Flash Forward. I think this was a good pick. Yeah, I do too. You would have had to
1: read Flash Forward, and you would have been a very different discussion. Yeah, and, and that would have just yeah, you're right. That would have just led to that would have see that would have been a mean spirited pick of them. They would have known. They know you're not you're not a patron. You don't listen to this show all the time and be like, oh, he's gonna love that. It's just vindictive. A lot of the votes come in before they they actually the books get read, so
0: it could yeah. have just been a hey, it's it's Wally West's story continuing. I don't know. I, I'm not in their heads.
1: Who knows? Give them the power. Joe Caranda, and I don't know the physiological effect of this, but he mm-hmm. he bleeds butterscotch pudding. He bleeds butterscotch his, pudding. His his system is instead of blood, it's butterscotch pudding. <laughs> oh, it's, so
0: it's not like when the when the blood hits the air, it turns into the butterscotch pudding. It, it's butterscotch pudding in there.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: How does he get a transfusion of butterscotch pudding? Any kind of butterscotch pudding? To be fair, it's a lot easier to get butterscotch pudding than type B negative blood, so. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I'm not a doctor. Is it delicious? Yes. It's butterscotch pudding, Connor. It's
0: been inside his body. I rub it up against his organs. I don't know if it's still... Made with whole milk.
1: Delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Um. And now, does that give him any sort of biological benefit that we don't know about? Maybe. Maybe. He seems to function as a normal. He's not slowing him down. He's not like, hurry up, Joe. Can't got butterscotch blood. <laughs> he shouldn't bleed out in, like, the woods. Well, also, if you think about it, it's much thicker than blood. So right. he's, if, if nothing else, it coagulates. he has a longer time to be safe. If you prick us, do we not bleed butterscotch pudding? So if he was really hungry,
0: he had no food, could he eat his own blood? That's weird. Well, I mean, it's butterscotch pudding.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the, so there's a danger. <laughs> I'm delicious <laughs> Matt Bona
0: is power is that he can turn His arms and legs into foam rollers <gasps> To wait, to do himself? He can do himself, he can do other people Huh No, it's, I mean, he's got, he can only do himself to the point Where he can actually roll his own legs Or, you know, okay. back or whatever He's gotta be able to reach that point They're articulating foam rollers
1: Connor, I'm looking at my foam roller right now <laughs> It's just out of reach and then next to that is my little, my little trigger point massager. Mm-hmm. I gotta go. <laughs> so he, he just needs to buy one. He's got, he's got him ready to go. That's nice. I'm sure the people who live with him appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Oh, you need a little rub? Here you go. Mm-hmm. You got a little muscle in the back giving you a
1: problem? Here, I'll rub it out. Let's rub it. Up. Rub knot out. That's nice. That's mm-hmm. good. Okay, you're gonna have to stay with me on this one. Oh boy. All right, mm-hmm. Eric Fetterspiel. I don't. I, I may have added an accent to that that wasn't there. Fetterspiel. Fetterspiel. He can blink back in time in increments of 10 years. So he can go 10 years back, he can go 20 years back, 30 years back, so powers of 10. Okay. But for every number of years that he goes back, he stays there for that amount of time in minutes. 10 years back, he's there for 10 minutes. 20 years back, he's there for 20 minutes. Hmm. Interesting. So he's mm-hmm. 100 years, he's there for an hour, and, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And, you know, you want to use that carefully. He definitely doesn't want to go a million years back. And it's exactly 10 years back. So it would be like
0: 2009. Yeah. Yep. The day we're for our recording, which is the 20th.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. And he would, he, would have, he would have 10 minutes there. You could trade stocks. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to go forward enough that you go backwards enough that you could do it on the internet. Right. And then the signal doesn't work. Damn it! I guess you could just <laughs> go back again and have it set
0: up. It's a conundrum. Mm-hmm. Jordan Thomas has life spider sense. And what that means is he gets the spider sense for his life decisions. So (laughs) it's not about danger, imminent danger. It's more like, should I eat this sandwich or this salad? (laughs) He's like, oh, not the sandwich.
1: You know where that would be really helpful? Buying fruit.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Or milk. Yeah, I bought I call. bought a I bought a carton of milk once that was not anywhere near expired. According to the date on it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and opened it up and it was expired.
1: I bought a carton of milk once that already was expired. He
0: would have been like, "Nope, nope, not that one." Mm-hmm. Or choosing between jobs or whatever. Picking out a pet. He just he has he he oh mm mm. Spider sense is tingling. Do you think Spider Man's power works like that too, when they just don't talk about it? Maybe he doesn't even realize it. That's what he's just this whole, this whole time. He's, he, thinks he's unos- was- he thinks he's in danger constantly when he could be having a much better life if he just listened to the spider sense. Yeah. He just has anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the patron powers. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. Give it the $5 or higher level. You get your own power on the show. Thanks to Jordan, Eric, Matt, and Joe. I think we should skip the emails since we did I so many we last to. week and we're going long. But contact at ifanboy.com is where you can write in to send us an email. And hopefully you enjoyed last week's show. I really enjoyed doing it. Yeah. We'll bring them back next week. We won't We won't go as long.
1: yeah, yeah you're already done with the script next week. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> plug those right in. Uh, you may have we've done a lot since then, but since this it feels like, but Brad Meltzer, it's only been like ten days. Brad Meltzer and I talked. There's a talk split about it. You can download it. You can hear about uh, his career in comics, the conversation I had with him, and his not a lot of the rest of his life. we talk mostly about comics, but mm-hmm. that children's book we where we talk about Chris Eliopoulos, one of the great men of comics. He's a pretty well-known, busy, famous dude, and he took plenty of time with us, he was very nice about it, and I, I was glad to do it, and I, I hope you guys enjoy it, too. Go listen. Um, and then coming up, we are talking about Sleeper, book one, Explode. It will be out next week. Not this coming week, but right. two weeks. Right. Not so this it, week. It'll be week. out
0: after the next Pickly podcast.
1: Right. Right. I'm about halfway through. I was going to say something, but I'm not. You just have to wait and listen to the show.
0: In addition to that, if you're a patron, next weekend will be the next Hangout, the uh, September yes. Hangout. September? Is it still September? September Hangout will be next weekend. Yep. So there will be a post about that on patreon.com. fanboy But if, keep that in the back of your heads also. And in addition to that, we have two special edition shows in October. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of scheduling kung fu on this one. The Joker movie. Joker, just called Joker comes out first week of October, as well as Wonder Woman Bloodline, the next um, oh, really? DC animated original film. So oh. we're gonna have to figure out how that's gonna work. I think that actually the the animated film comes out the week after. I think it comes out digitally the week of. We usually do it the week on the release of the DVD. So the first couple of weeks of October there'll be two special edition shows for your enjoyment, and then I think there's not another one until Star Wars in December. I think. Yay. So we get we get kind of a break this last quarter. That won't be stressful. I think I want to try
1: to see Joker. Yeah, you should. And I want to do the show. We haven't talked about it yet. Originally, I was like, I don't, I'm not watching that. I don't care. But now I'm a little interested because I'm human. And because Robert De Niro's in it? No. I, that, I mean, that's that's not always a mark of quality. <laughs> I've seen the fan. <laughs> Or, what was that one with him and Al Pacino that was really bad? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. I don't even know the name of it. That's how bad it was. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just very, like, very average. The intern was delightful. I love the intern. And every time it's on TV, I watch it.
1: (laughs) All right, let's wrap this up. Where do they they go? Head over to
0: iFanBoy.com. You can find all of the podcasts we just mentioned. All of our old podcasts are there. You can find out what the Pick of the Week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy or following us at iFanboy on Twitter and also following iFanboy Comics on Instagram in addition to the Pick, you can also see the Best of the week Panels feature and any other random nonsense we put up there. And individually, we are at C.S. Kelpatrick on Instagram and at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram.
1: That's true. If you like this show, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm not going to tell you to leave a review. I mean, I just did. Mm-hmm. Okay, you could on Apple Pie. But really, uh, the word-of-mouth thing, social media, telling people about it, passing it around uh, all those things that you do keep doing those things we really appreciate that's definitely how this works that's how we can attribute most of the growth that we do to. and in return for that what we will do is try not to embarrass you so that if you tell somebody listen to it they don't come back to you like what was that garbage we want to make sure it sounds good want to make sure there's a format want to make sure that it's entertaining so we'll do that part you tell people about it and and we'll work on that we can't guarantee it well everyone's different (laughs) and someone will find it dumb and embarrassing Somebody liked that flash-forward book. Somebody did. Sure. I'm sure a of people did. So do that, and that is going to be our show for the week. Shorter than, than last week, but that's good. Well, I mean, good God. <laughs> you can't go three hours every week. Although we're getting there. To be fair, I couldn't go three hours last week. <laughs> I was like, I got, we had to stop. <laughs> I fell apart.
0: It was a lot, but it was fun. Yes. And we appreciate everyone that hung around and stuck around and all that stuff. And so until next time, I'm Connor.
1: I'm Josh. Thanks, everyone. Take me home tonight.